0: Going to share with you a conversation I had with uh, Alexis Hancock. She is the um, uh, an engineer with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and if you're not familiar uh, with that organization, I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, they really focus on uh, civil liberties and uh, all how the digital space uh, interacts with civil liberties. Uh, And uh, I reached out to her yesterday because we've talked before in the past about vaccine passports Uh, and uh, back in, uh, you know, sometime last year, as the covid-19 pandemic was was ongoing, you had uh, these questions about uh, vaccine uh, mandates and are people going to have to show their papers to uh, to enter certain facilities? Uh, and uh, now we see that being implemented in places like New York. Uh, I think the uh, the city council in L.A. is toying around with it. Um, we even see it here in our own backyard where you have to prove your vaccine status. If you want to be on the tracks at the grandstand concerts for those ticket holders, uh, in order to get on that track, they're going to have to show proof of vaccine or uh, a negative COVID-19 test. So with that, uh, the state yesterday released their VAX Verify Program. It's a program that's set up. You go online through the state's Department of Public Health portal. Uh, you then uh, go through Experian, uh, a credit bureau, consumer credit bureau, and uh, you, you get your information plugged in there. You verify who you are, and apparently uh, Experian will access your Uh, vaccine records through a state database and allow you to carry that with you in a digital certificate of sorts. Uh, So this is going to be allowed to be used to verify vaccine status at the Illinois State Fair grandstand track tickets uh, starting tonight with uh, Sammy Hagar. Uh, But the governor yesterday was asked about this, uh, and in particular with the idea of Uh, A lot of different types of cyber attacks that have happened on state agencies, ranging from the attorney general's office to the Illinois State Police. And here's what the governor's reaction was to whether or not this VAX verify program can be trusted uh, with uh, previous breaches of uh, cyber infrastructure for state agencies. Well, just as every major corporation, you know, we put in security uh, throughout our systems. People try all the time to hack systems all throughout the United States, not to mention the world. Uh, And so we've got a significant effort to make sure that the information is secure and that our computers throughout the state are secure. So I reached out to Alexis Hancock. Uh, again, she is the Director of Engineering with uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And uh, we just opened it up and she shared her thoughts about looking at uh, this particular Uh, vaccine passport uh, because all this time she's also been looking at all these other passport type of ideas that have been implemented in other states like new york state uh, with new york city's excelsior pass uh, and uh, several other uh, different types of uh, private types of passports that are being uh, developed and whatnot Uh, and uh, she she's not a fan of what she's seen so far Uh, from Illinois' VAX Verify Program. So here's some of the conversation I had with uh, Alexis uh, Hancock from the Electronic Frontier Foundation.
1: So the VAX Verify Program um, is another flavor, right, of of different states coming out with their own solutions. And this one in particular is very egregious, in my opinion, because they're using experience to uh, verify people's identity Just to access their vaccination record and most other states that have rolled out this type of thing you only really need the information that you had on your cdc card in order to contact the local state the health departments in order to actually access your vaccination. Illinois took it a step further and used Experian. I'm not sure who exactly thought it was a good idea to use a credit bureau to access your vaccination record but here we are. Um, Experian in particular has a laundry list of issues because of the fact that um, it's tied to something that about one's identity is very volatile. Credit, so a lot of people have issues accessing their credit reports online. If you have frozen your credit for whatever reason, you have to unfreeze your credit with Experian in order to actually access a vaccination record from this Vax Verify system. A lot of people don't have um, access or or have the actual um, citizenship status where they would have a credit history in particular. So what if you don't have a credit history and you got vaccinated? What happens here? Do you um, log into Experian and just access your identity with the little bit of information that they have about you? I am not quite sure. Using um, a credit bureau to verify identification when you don't have to do that on a normal basis for any other vaccine record, to me, is very egregious. And it's the wrong step in in the wrong direction on terms of getting vaccine verification going. If you want someone to be able to access their record, you shouldn't make it easy. You shouldn't make it even harder just to access this record.
0: So, again, this is Alexis Hancock from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a conversation I had with her yesterday. And uh, I asked her to talk in general terms about uh, the idea of vaccine passports and uh, the trajectory that we've seen uh, just in the past few months.
1: Well, the vaccine passport idea in particular has been rolled out in different ways where there's a lot of digital verification systems and digital systems in general um, using your mobile app or using your phone in order to verify identity and not just your identity, but verifying your status as a vaccinated person. And that in particular become problematic because of the fact that there's no federal data privacy law um, that we have that protects us when private companies store our health information in particular. So we've been watching around for that. Uh, we've been seeing proposals come up with, um, even abroad, if you go look in the U.K., the national healthcare care system that they have, the same uh, technology company that they were using to have vaccine passports, they're now also considering putting um, national identification in that system. Uh, New York State is toying with the idea of using their Excelsior pass to um, also use it as a means of holding your driver's license information. So a lot of these companies don't have any accountability on a federal level if they take it this far um, in the future. And we have to account for those types of things when it comes down to digital health information, digital information in general about you. And what exactly could um, happen to actually harm society on, on, a, on a different way, in a different note, besides the pandemic? Um, we should be making sure that people have access and an ability to be able to move through society without more barriers um, to, to actually be able to um, safely use their information in situations that they have to. Now, the ESF aren't public health entities. We're not saying that vaccination proof, in particular, in different situations, um, uh, we don't have a position on that particular – it's the digital privacy aspect that we're trying to look and track at and make sure that we're making sure that, uh, you know, that these companies are keeping to their word on what, what they're actually doing with the information. And right now we're looking for retention policies. What does that look like? We're looking for different types of situations where they may be uh, adjusting their scope and actually seeing on a day-to-day basis of whether or not um, – people are actually able to utilize the information safely and securely and being able to move through society without um, more unneeded barriers. A lot of people are undocumented. A lot of people have different scenarios and situations where they weren't vaccinated yet. And we're just making sure that people are listening to healthcare experts and health experts and not necessarily listening to companies that just want to get them through the door.
0: Again, this is uh, Alexis Hancock from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, 646 on the WMAY morning news feed. I'm Greg Bishop, and I chatted with Alexis about uh, Illinois' Vax Verify program that was announced yesterday. Uh, it's uh, essentially a, a way for you to uh, utilize a, a state uh, database to uh, pull up a digital certificate of your vaccine records including your COVID-19 vaccine record, uh, so that you can prove it to people. Uh, one place it's going to be implemented uh, is uh, on the the tracks at the grandstand, if you want to get up and close to Sammy Hagar. Uh, but I asked Alexis about her overall o- overarching concerns about all of this, uh, and she uh, she delved a little bit deeper.
1: Yeah, so we're worried about the scope creep of all of this, too. Um, we already have situations where you have to present vaccination records, right? Like for school or for international travel. I just but went in a, in a, Yeah. So we already have those in place, but you don't have to do that every day, right? You don't have to whip out your vaccination records every day. And that frequency and that scope can become an issue when companies uh, who are holding this information and databases that are holding this, this information aren't necessarily being held accountable to the stricter standard of how long they should log information, if they should log information at all, right? Um, what generally I've been encouraging is if businesses are scanning people's vaccination records through the door, they shouldn't log that information about people or store it anywhere or sell it anywhere. So we're just making sure that scope creep that we've been seeing doesn't expand to another um, aspect of corporate surveillance or uh, or some sort of like surveillance that ends up benefiting the scanner and not the person just walking in through the door. Uh, That scope creep is definitely a concern considering there's no accountability or protections up there uh, on a federal level or and there's only a few states with privacy laws here and there, um, like California and Virginia. And I believe Illinois has a, has a law too, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't Indiana. I have to, I have to like double check that. Yeah, but it was uh,
0: Illinois. We've got uh, the Bio Information um, uh, B- Privacy Act (BIPA), uh, which essentially means that uh, you you can't have your face scanned without your permission. Uh, and uh, we've actually seen that uh, lead to some lawsuits. Uh, and uh, Facebook, for instance, some of you are waiting for hundreds of dollars from Facebook uh, to pay out for violating BIPA, uh, the Biometric Information Privacy Act here in Illinois. How this this issue plays into that, not 100% clear, but still. uh, Ultimately, Alexis, uh, when I chatted with her yesterday, she uh, she said that uh, there needs to be uh, protections on this type of information up front instead of waiting for any kind of negative consequence towards the consumer and then reacting to that, uh, and I think uh, we see that too often uh, in a lot of instances when new policies may be put into place, uh, it's it's negative impacts on consumers. Uh, isn't dealt with until it's already happened to them, uh, And uh, that's, that's not necessarily the best way to go about figuring things out. Uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, I asked her about uh, this idea of social credit scores. And is this, is this kind of where all this type of technology is heading, where people have to carry around their papers to show, hey, I took this particular medical treatment. I didn't take that particular medical treatment. And what does that ultimately do to society?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as, like, the social credit system and the fears around, like, a a surveillance state in particular, we're seeing these platforms try to go in a direction of, especially with the private companies that are are presenting themselves as vaccine passport solutions, we are seeing them kind of go towards, like, hey, we can also be national identification storage system. (laughs) And and that in particular, we, we definitely take a strong position against centralized national identification systems and platforming them without any public discussion. And using the pandemic as a, a, a way to bypass that scrutiny is something that we have definitely seen. And we are watching that, in, in particular, making sure that those national identity schemes don't get created from these systems, that there's some sort of segmentation, and actual process an actual discussion and conversation before things get rolled out um, right now, uh, vaccine verifications uh, or vaccine passports or whatever you call them, shouldn't be platformed into a different, completely different system that the public didn't sign up for.
0: Now I asked Alexis for just some uh, final thoughts uh, after chatting with her yesterday uh, to get a reaction to Illinois's Vax Verify program. Uh, and uh, here's, here's her final words on that.
1: No, that was it. Um, I, this system is horrible in Illinois. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Like this, using Experian was definitely one of the worst ones I have seen yet.
0: I tried getting uh, the governor to answer a question yesterday about why choose Experian for this, but uh, it was uh, beyond time for him uh, taking questions after unveiling the butter cow and his press people uh, ushered him off, uh, off the uh, stage essentially uh, away from the microphone to not take any more questions. Uh, as uh, reporters were all uh, battling to yell out their questions, uh, trying to make eye contact with the governor, which uh, he didn't really make eye contact with me. So uh, that's the conversation with Alexis Hancock with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, talking about the VAX Verify Program.